Hello, and welcome to VOICE. VOICE is part of the Lives in Translation program within the Spanish and Portuguese department at Rutgers University, Newark. With us today, we have Marina Ilari. She is a ATA-certified Spanish translator with over 16 years of experience in the translation industry. She has worked as a translator, editor, and quality assurance specialist for many companies around the world, with a special focus on creative translations and video game localization. She is the chief executive officer of Terra Translations and the co-host of the podcast about translation in Pantuflas. Hi, Marina. Welcome to Voice. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Oh, of course. It honestly is such a pleasure to have you on today. Um, and I, I was thinking as to where to start our discussion today. And I, I think a good place to start is to hear a little bit about you, um, your cultural background, and then how that ties into your love of languages. <laughs> okay. Well, I am originally from Argentina. Um, I grew up in a small agricultural town uh, in the province of Santa Fe. Mm-hmm. Um, and my heritage is a, a mix of uh, a little bit of everything, Spanish, German, mainly Italian, though. Mm-hmm. Um, I, um, my grandfather was Italian, so I'm also an Italian citizen. Oh, wow. uh, I wish I spoke Italian more fluently, though. Um, <laughs> my, my level is very poor. Like, I can understand most of it. but um, And then, yeah, I, I liked growing up where I did, um, but... Um, as an adolescent, I really wanted to go to the big city. So mm-hmm. I was really looking forward to moving to Buenos Aires. That's where I completed my studies. I left, lived there for seven years. Oh, wow. Uh, until I, I moved to the United States. Actually, I, I currently live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And that's, that's where my husband is from. And that is why I live in Wisconsin. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. That's, um, that's such a great background story. Um, and it, it really does tie into what you do as a translator um and it kind of um shows your passion for languages um so for example i i I know Mm -hmm. as a certified american translator association um english spanish translator um you work as a translator as an editor as a proofreader terminology specialist um quality control specialist and I would like to hear how you got started in this and then how you also built your career as a freelance language services. Sure. Yeah. I I didn't always know that I wanted to pursue a career in languages, but um, my mother actually uh, spent a few years growing up in Canada. Mm -hmm. And when her family came back to Argentina, she pursued a career as an English teacher. Then she became a professor, then a translator. So she's a very experienced translator and she was my mentor throughout my career. Um, And yeah, I think my love of languages probably came through her. I mean, she always insisted that I study English. I always enjoyed it, but I never saw it as my own career. You know, I Mm -hmm. I always saw it as my mother's career. (laughs) Oh, that's interesting. That's really interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it took, yeah, it took a a few years to actually, um, yeah, before I I went and, and studied to become a translator. But once I, I did, um, when, once I completed the uh, program at university, I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And um, at first, I began working as a translator, helping my mother out with mm-hmm. projects, basically. So I would translate and proofread for her and her team. And then little by little, I started pursuing my own uh, clients. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it took years to actually build you know, my, my client portfolio and uh, to find my own area of 
specialization to within translation, mm-hmm. you know? Of course. So, but yeah, and, and eventually I ended up joining my mother's company, you know? So. Oh, okay. <laughs> and when it, was it, that? It um, out. Yeah, that's when, when was that transition? So I know you mentioned you, you started a little bit of, tra- well, you studied translation and then you started a little mm-hmm. bit with your mom. So when was that kind of opening moment of, oh, I want to explore the field of translation and I want to be a translator <laughs> myself? <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. I actually, um, I studied theater first Mm -hmm. and um, I was doing translation on the side. And then after um, three years or four years uh, of um, touring around with the theater company, I was not enjoying the experience anymore. (laughs) And uh, there was a pivotal moment, I always say, when I was about to go on stage and um, I was like, oh, no, it's my turn to go out. (laughs) <laughs> to stage and I was like why am I even doing this I'm dreading the moment that I go on stage yeah that's a te- that's definitely a telling sign <laughs> it was a total turning point I was like you know what I think I'm gonna go do the translation career that my mother always insisted I do oh wow I love that <laughs> so that's uh that's how that's how it went yeah it's kind it, of like a new unusual way of getting into translation of course yeah and I, I love hearing about everyone's kind of pivotal point of recognizing, oh, okay, let's, let's, you know, dive deep into this or explore um, this industry. So I think you had a really cool transition and (laughs) also exploring such an array of career opportunities within this industry. Um, Mm -hmm. And for example, as a, as an expert in this genre um, of video game localization, um, can you share your journey in that? Um, what yeah. is video game localization and what does the process look like? Yes, I, I was very fortunate to come um, to, um, I came into a job post where they were looking for translators for a large video game localization project. Mm-hmm. I didn't have experience in this area. But I loved video games and I loved any type of multimedia or creative type of content. Mm -hmm. So I went through the tests to work for this company. I was selected to be part of the team for this project. And this one project really impacted me profoundly. Like I found my passion within the translation profession. I found, you know, like what I exactly what I wanted to be doing. So I began to specialize more and more in game localization. I completed a postgraduate degree on mm-hmm. it and it's an area, it's a great area of translation. It can be a lot of fun. It can be also very technical. Mm-hmm. Um, it changes very rapidly. So you always have to be like continuously learning about new tools, new processes, like everything. But um, but regarding specifically about the process, or how to localize mm-hmm. a game, um, in order to localize video games developers um or publishers have different processes but there are uh, five main stages so the first stage would be the globalization which focuses on studying the markets for the uh, commercialization Mm -hmm. of the game at at an international level right Mm -hmm. so the marketing strategies the legal aspects everything else then the second stage is the internationalization that's when they analyze the game to see how it will be localized into different languages. So, so sort of the files are prepared, the issues are taken into account, such as if there are character limits that mm-hmm. could affect certain languages, if there are fonts that are not supported um, by special characters. 
um, all these possible like problems or issues are analyzed and addressed so to, to make sure that um, the localization stage uh, goes smoothly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and then the third stage is the localization itself. So this is the, the stage, obviously, that we as translators work on. Mm -hmm. But there are other two more stages, which are the, uh, the review or the linguistic QA. Sometimes translators work on these um, projects as well mm -hmm. and then the fifth stage which is the testing and in general this stage is not done by the translator it's usually done by by a, a testing company or a hired tester who plays the game and identifies bugs mm -hmm. um, possible errors or problems in the game um, but yeah so it can be a, a pretty highly specialized process actually oh to localize a game into yeah. different languages it doesn't happen like you know um it's not pressing a button and then you get the, no. the different language, right? <laughs> no, not at all. Um, it's, it's such a complex process, it sounds like. It is. It's very complex. And especially depending on how the, the developer of the publisher want to go about it and how um, if they want to do like full localization or partial localization. And yeah, there are just so many things to take into account. And mm -hmm. it, it can get even more complex when you add oh the the dubbing and, and, and other, the, um, the audio parts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting. Um, I have to say, it's so beautiful how you explain it. And also I can see the passion oozing out of you um, <laughs> about it. So um, it, it is just so exciting. And it's also just interesting to hear because um, whether you're in the industry or not, it's not, uh, unless you're a localization specialist, it's not something that you often hear about. Um, and right. for those that aren't in the industry, sometimes not at all. So I think it's just such a creative process, such a creative route to take. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm curious if, for example, on a global scale, what are the benefits of video game localization? And also, what are the top gaming markets? Yeah, well, if, if you want to reach a global audience, you need to localize your game. So game development and game localization really should go hand in hand mm -hmm. it's not always like that sometimes it's an afterthought but it should go hand in hand um yeah the the, the top gaming markets will depend also on on the type of of game mm -hmm. that you have so the genre of your game but also where it will be played like if it's a mobile game or a pc game or a console game like the popularity of these different types of games vary uh, from market to market mm -hmm. so um, companies should really like study the markets that they want to pursue mm -hmm. taking this into account that um, I always like to recommend there's this um, excellent research firm um, for the video game industry it's called New Zoo mm -hmm. and you can find statistics for almost anything there they're usually uh, also very well updated which can be super helpful oh, um, I love that. but yeah, the typical typically companies would look uh, into like the uh, figs language pairs, which are French, Italian, German, Spanish as like the core languages. Um, but it, again, if it's like a mobile company, markets such as Latin America or India, uh, which are emerging markets in mobile gaming, might mm -hmm. be super important to pursue. So it really depends on what type of game um, that you have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's wonderful. Thank you for sharing um, the recommendation. That's really useful. And it, it's just interesting because it, it, I think it also, for you in particular, this lends opportunity for you to be able to navigate your role 
um, as an entrepreneur. So it, it kind of leads me to that next topic of discussion. Um, 15 years ago, you started Terra Translations and you've grown the company into a force, um, collaborating with a global team of a thousand translation professionals. Um, tell me about this process, um, the services it provides, the technology you use, um, the quality care that you provide your, your clients. Um, yeah, tell me about a little bit about this. Sure. Uh, well, the company was founded by my mother, actually, mm -hmm. but I have been the CEO of the company for three years now. Oh, wow. Um, we have traditionally been focused mainly on translating and localizing for the Latin American market. But um, in recent years, we've, we've grown as a, as a multilingual company and particularly focusing on game localization, maybe because... <laughs> Maybe because I am the CEO now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, with regards to technology, um, let's see. We, we're very adaptable. So we adapt to whatever our clients needs and where they are also in their localization journey. Mm -hmm. uh, we might work with, with different tools depending on the content and, and the type of client. So, um, but typically, I'll tell you, typically we use um, MemoQ as a cat tool mm -hmm. for the translation itself. And then we have developed um, our own proprietary translation management system uh, where we manage our projects. Um, but yeah, I think in the dynamic industries that we work, mm -hmm. um, that, that flexibility to work with different tools and to ad adapt mm -hmm. has been really important to us. So learning how to integrate also new tools to our workflows or the client's workflow flow is something that we we analyze um all the time yeah um and then um regarding regarding the quality itself um i think in the translation industry we really like to talk about quality yeah <laughs> everyone everyone wants to talk about quality everyone wants mm -hmm. to measure quality everyone offers qualities <laughs> yeah um, definitely a hot topic <laughs> it's a hot topic like in every conference i've ever attended there are sessions talking about quality and how you measure quality and mm -hmm. how you offer quality and and yeah the truth is like quality can mean different things depending right. who you are like it, it can mean different things to different people so um yeah to us quality means the the, the people that, that we work with the the quality of our relationships with our partners with our employees with our linguists so our company is really um, based on the family first values, you know, that are extended to, to all the members of our team. So mm -hmm. we work a lot to make sure that everyone's voice is being heard and valued. And yeah, that's what quality means to us because supporting our team members, um, really has helped us, um, to grow basically because we have a lot of employee loyalty too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's so beautiful. Um, it's really wonderful to be able to hear about the ins and outs of, creating a company, being the CEO, um, and, and working from there. So I, I wonder, um, what has been the most satisfying moment in your business? Yes, I, and there are many things that come to mind. Um, <laughs> but I think the most satisfying thing for me has been, um, learning to work on the company culture because, mm -hmm. um, Something that I didn't mention is that we are a 100% virtual company. Wow. And, um, and also we started as a, and we continue to be a family owned business. So mm -hmm. it, it has been really important to us to maintain that family feel, um, and to have, you know, people stay working with us long-term. 
Um, and it's very challenging to do that with a remote company that is growing and that is global. So, mm-hmm. you know, finding ways to continue to promote and maintain our culture. Um, yeah, it has been challenging, but it has also been very satisfying. Um, um, yeah, so that comes to mind first, I guess. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, you you do mention a lot about company culture, and that that does seem like the the first and foremost for you and and for Terra um, translation. So that that's really nice to hear. Um, and I wonder, you know, what what have been the challenges that you've faced? And if looking back, if you um could do it over, what what would you? What are those challenges that you faced, and you now know have the answers for? Well, um, we've created partnerships. So, for example, one thing that has helped us a lot is the um, uh, we we are members of Great Place to Work. They have mm-hmm. a great survey, for example, um, that employees take anonymously every year. And this survey is super useful. It analyzes basically the the company culture mm-hmm. and any aspect that you can improve, you know, as a company. So, um, finding those like um opportunities to learn from our our employees and the people that collaborate for uh yeah with us has been really useful because from there we created initiatives to continue improving because i think it's like a constant thing especially if you're growing mm-hmm. like how can you continue to maintain that, that culture um while growing so finding those things has has been uh, useful and then finding um People in the um, human resources department mm-hmm. uh, has also been great. Um, people who know what they're doing in that department. So um, they're really good at selecting uh, the people so that they're really aligned with who we are as a company, our values, you know, mm-hmm. because we want them to stay long term. So you want to include people that are super aligned. I love that. I love that you focus. It's not even just on, on client satisfaction, but it's happy employees. And I, I love that. It it yes. just seems like a wonderful place to be. Um, oh, thanks. <laughs> it does. It really does. Um, but you really, just from talking about it briefly, you really have explored every avenue that this industry has to offer. Um, and you, you've done it all. So you don't even just stop there. You then um, share your insight and your depth of knowledge, um, your expertise in this, in this industry, and which is very inspiring and empowering um, that you then share this passion of yours um, to give back to women in business through an organization um, called Women in Localization. And it's a mentorship group that supports women in the translation industry. So what is your role within this organization and what are the goals of this community? Yes, I love what you were describing because, um, yeah, I am involved in several organizations and associations that support women, like uh, Enterprising Women, also WeBank. Mm-hmm. Um, but, of course, women localization has to be my favorite because it, it's within our industry. Of course. Um, and I have been a chapter manager for women localization for almost two years now. And we offer networking and mentoring opportunities to um, basically to help women advance in their translational localization careers. Mm-hmm. And um, the main goal of the organization is to um, further its values. So it's uh, the values of the organization are community, support, empowerment, um, commitment, and belonging. 
so yeah, it's an organization that promotes inclusion. Mm -hmm. Basically, we welcome it. Anyone who would like to join, people of our gen gender identities are welcome to join and encouraged to attend and participate in, in the events. Um, but yeah, I do enjoy the um, getting involved with the industry, mm -hmm. a side of my business. Like, um, I'm also part of the mentoring program from um, the American Transitors Association. This is another mm -hmm. uh, great language association that, to be part of, mm -hmm. um, especially if you're a linguist. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but yeah, their mentoring program is fantastic there. I'm involved in their program and I'm also uh, the administrator of one of their divisions. So I try to get involved as much as I can. It's one of, of the things I enjoy the most, actually, of the work that I do. I love that. I love that. Can you tell us a bit more about the um, American Translators Association mentorship program? For any of those yeah. that are interested. And, and also um, women in localization, if um, anyone's listening and wants to get involved. Yes. Find women in localization, um, follow the LinkedIn groups, mm -hmm. and also you have to sign up on their website. Okay. Um, once you sign up on their website, uh, you will receive like email notifications about um, all the events that are happening, especially now that um, everything is virtual. Right. Um, I believe we have 20, 20 some chapters mm -hmm. around the world women in localization has. So um, by, be, by everything being virtual, there are constantly events happening mm -hmm. really interesting events right now we're planning one um actually on uh, game localization it's going to be a panel about creating partnerships in video game localization um so if you want to be informed um you can just join and it's a it's a free it's free to join and to participate and wow. it's a great organization organization and then the american translators association uh you do have to be a member in order to participate in the mentoring program um but what I like about their program is that they're very um, they're very active in finding um, mentees and mentors that are like mm -hmm. similar in a way, like that 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 are gonna be able to help each other, you know? Oh, I because I always think it's never one sided, mm -hmm. you know. <laughs> it's like the mentee also helps the mentor learn so much. Oh, absolutely, um, yes. Yeah, so it's it's it creates great relationships and I would definitely recommend it. I mean, I've had my mother as a mentor for so many years and oh. I couldn't have been where I am today without her. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I would definitely oh reach out and that. have a mentor in your life if you can. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is so inspiring and so beautifully said, honestly. Um, and I, I do, I hope that, that people definitely take advantage of, of these that you've mentioned. Um, and also, um, for any of our recent grads or any, any student listeners that we have, um, that may be studying translation and localization, um, do you have any advice or tips for them that you would like to share? Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> I actually wrote an article on this. Uh, I published it on my LinkedIn profile, uh, my recommendations for recent graduates of translation and localization, but Yes, in the article, I talk about um, what skills employers are looking for mm -hmm. uh, in translation or project management roles. Um, also, where you can look for job opportunities, how you can build your network, basically, which is so important mm -hmm. in, in this industry. So I would say that that's my, my main advice, mm -hmm. you know, to cultivate and nurture your professional network. Because, mm -hmm. um, yeah, your support networks, your relationships really do have a direct impact on your success and especially when you're first starting out you need that opportunity to learn from more more experienced colleagues so mm -hmm. yeah peer learning can be really powerful 
and open doors. So absolutely. Yeah. And there are so many ways you can um, develop your network by volunteering your time to associations or organizations, participating in, in their events, their educational programs, you know, mm-hmm. creating those, those support networks. And, but yeah, I, I understand that in, like in these difficult times, it can be kind of scary to go mm-hmm. into the market now. Um, but I, but I do have to say the localization industry is growing so much yeah. and it offers so many opportunities for career development, even in these difficult times. So we're, we're fortunate to, to be able to continue to do the work that we do. Mm-hmm. And we are one of the most adaptable industries when it comes to remote work. We were really ahead of the curve um, mm-hmm. when the pandemic hit and everything. So it's a great, um, it's a great industry to develop your career. That's such helpful and useful um, advice for for our listeners. So I really do appreciate that. Um, And then I actually want to mention, um, you also are a podcaster. um, (laughs) And your podcast is In Pantuflas. So can you tell us a little bit about your podcast and where we can listen to it? Oh, yes. So, yes, my podcast is um, Pantuflas, which means uh, in slippers. <laughs> and we have it in Spanish, but we do have a few episodes in English. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a podcast about translation. I do it with another colleague um, that is a translator. She's also a comedian. So we try to bring a lot of humor into mm-hmm. the, 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 the podcast. Uh, we've been doing it for four years now. We've interviewed 150 translators and interpreters wow and yeah i'm very proud that we've continued to do it every week um yeah it's my it's my passion project and pantuflas i really enjoy doing it wow that is such an accomplishment and and i love that you're, you're doing so much remotely too um that you know you're, you're grasping it all nothing stops you you're doing it all <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. Um, well, I, I always say the podcast, I mean, it's to bring more awareness about mm-hmm. the translation profession and what we do and to, you know, give a voice to some of our colleagues. But the truth is, I also learn so much through the podcast. Oh, absolutely. So that's another way of getting mentoring right there. Just like listening to other people's stories and, you know, listening to their successes, their mistakes, what they learned from them. Oh, like absolutely. it's so enriching. Of yeah. course. Um, what sparked you to start it? Yeah. The, uh, so I always liked listening to podcasts, um, mm-hmm. but there was nothing in Spanish. It, yeah. it wasn't very popular, actually. Like in Latin America, the podcast format wasn't very popular then. Um, so I thought of doing something in Spanish. I really like the format where you can listen in to anywhere you are. Mm-hmm. You're driving, or you're walking, you can listen to a podcast. And then, um, yeah, yeah, just my interest in like getting to know more people in the industry and hearing their stories. And that's what inspired me to do it. And the, the idea to do it with this colleague was because she also has a theater background. So we were mm-hmm. like, yeah, maybe we can do some funny things too, like some karaoke videos. So we have some ridiculous karaoke videos. If, if you want oh to goodness. lose all respect for me. <laughs> you can I love that. That is that is so yeah, amazing. So the other goal was to make translators laugh, you know, you yeah. know, make them feel like heard and yeah, yeah re- of course, be related of course. to what we do. It's, yeah, just bringing visibility to translators and what the industry is. Yeah, yeah there's still so much work to do there. So yeah, of anything course. we can do to help. Of course, and 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 that's something I I sometimes um talk to my students about of 
you know, they'll come to my class and they'll think a translator is just behind the laptop on their own all day long. Um, and I love that you mentioned the networking aspect and then all yeah. of these facets that we have that we can explore yes. and not be alone during this process. Absolutely. And then so many avenues one can take. I think mm -hmm. that's what the podcast really opened my eyes to, too. Like so many things one can be doing as a translator. Mm -hmm. um, so many different roles, so many different specialization. Like it's never ending. Like we yeah. keep hearing about like, these like different types of roles, different types of uh, specialties, industry that people work in. It's fascinating. So it it's is. like. Yeah, it's it's just such a great profession. I love that. I love that. And do you have any next plans or anything in the future that you have lined up for yourself? Well, I'm doing I'm doing something else um, with this company that is called Nimzi Insights, and they do um, research for the translation and localization uh, industry. And I'm doing an e-learning course with them uh, mm -hmm. about um, selling your services as a translator. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be a, f a free course. Um, uh, anyone, anyone can take it. I think it's going to be on, on their website or their YouTube channel. But yeah, I'm excited about sharing my experience there uh, in that regard. Um, hopefully help other translators with some tips and recommendations. Because one thing that um, perhaps we, we don't learn so much at school is like the... the um, like the, the selling aspect mm -hmm. and we're kind of afraid of it too <laughs> of selling your service like it seems so scary go and network have a website like all these things that um it, it seems so overwhelming uh, oh, at yes. first and so I, I I share my story there and what worked for me and the you know some of my mistakes and things I learned so hopefully it helps people um have more information regarding oh that. Oh my goodness. So, and I share I, many resources, you know, books that have helped me, things like that. So. Oh, that's wonderful. I love that. Um, I wish you all the best of luck with that. I, I think that's Thank so helpful. Um, and, and since you did mention books, I was wondering, is there is there one in particular that stands out that you'd like to share? Oh my goodness. I am <laughs> an avid reader. I read so much. I but um, let's see. Well, I mean, there are many books now for translators specifically. Um, I really like the author, Corinne McKay. She also has a, a great blog and she does uh, trainings too. Um, but she has a book on how to succeed as a freelance translator. And, and then Judy um, and Dagmar Jenner have a book that is called The Entrepreneurial Linguist, uh, A Business Approach to Freelance Translating. Mm -hmm. And those two books, I would say, are great reads especially for someone just starting out or like wanting to advance in their career as a, mm -hmm. as a language professional. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. It, it's so, so useful. Um, so yeah, thank you, Marina. It really has been just such a pleasure to chat with you, um, to hear about your experience, your expertise. So thank you for sharing your depth of knowledge with me. Thank you for having me. It was lovely to chat with you, Stephanie. Absolutely. Absolutely. Take care and talk soon. The Lives in Translation program was created by a seed grant from the Office of Chancellor Nancy Cantor to Jennifer Austin, John Keane, Fran Barkowski, Andrew Gupta, and Tim Raphael. 
special thank you to the School of Arts and Sciences Dean's Office, the Spanish and Portuguese Department at Rutgers University, Newark, previous chair of the Spanish and Portuguese Department, Kim Holton, and current chair of the Spanish and Portuguese Department, Jason Cortez. Graphic arts by Chantal Fishsang from the Design Consortium and Hisela Ochoa. To program advisors Anna Dichter, Radel Rijo, Randy Maldobaum, and Jennifer Austin. Sound engineering by Isaac Jimenez and music by Jose Luis Iglesias. If you've enjoyed this episode, share with a friend and subscribe wherever you listen to. Thanks for listening to Voice. This is Stephanie Rodriguez. Thank you.